Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this time that we can come together. Thank you so much for the Sabbath day. And I thank you that we are able to come here and to listen to your word, that we can hear your voice speaking to us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And I pray that you would speak through me. I pray, Lord, that this message will be a blessing and help us to see the lessons and to apply apply those lessons in our, in our lives. Thank you so much for hearing and for answering our prayers. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friends, we are truly living in uncertain times. You know, when you when we think about the future, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what challenges we will face next. You know, currently we are facing the COVID-19 crisis. And who knows what is going to happen next? Are things going to get better? Or are they going to get worse? We really don't know. And sometimes maybe we try to comfort ourselves thinking that things will get better soon. That soon things will start looking up. But sometimes thinking about the future can also be discouraging because we are uncertain of the of the different challenges, the different trials that we will face. And you know, we as human beings, it's in our nature to know what is ahead. We like to know what is ahead so that we can plan, we can be prepared, so we can be in control of our lives and of what happens next in our lives. However, today I want to remind you um, about a promise that the Bible gives us. Okay, and that pro promise is found in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. This is what the Bible says. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, as we continue living in this world of uncertainty, we need to keep in mind that no matter how much we plan, God is in control. His ways and His thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. And many times, His ways and His thoughts are in, go contrary to our ways and our thoughts. It's in direct opposite. But still, we must recognize that God's way is higher. His thoughts are higher and we must be willing to trust Him. The question we have to ask ourselves is, when things do not go our way, can we still trust in God's leading? Can we trust in His providence for our lives? You know, this is the experience that the Israelites had. As they were journeying through the wilderness, as they were coming out of Egypt, they were faced with a lot of uncertainty. But they had to learn to trust in God. And today, I want to share with you a very familiar story that we find in the book of Exodus. So let's go there. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 14 as we begin our study today. Okay, Exodus chapter 14, and we will begin in verses 1, 2, and 3. Exodus 14 verses 1, 2, and 3. This is what the Bible says. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 
Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pehahiroth, between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal-Siphon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. Now, it's very interesting here in verse 2 that, you know, rather than any other way, rather than any other direction, God leads the children of Israel to the sea. And, you know, many times in our lives, God leads us through impossible and trying situations. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we try to find a better way, God still ends up bringing us to the sea. Why? Why does God do that? Why does He bring us through the sea? It's because there is something that God wants to teach us. There is a lesson for you and I to learn. Now, in verse 3 of Exodus 14, you know, God also wants others to see that we are facing impossible situations. Now, why does He want that? Why does God want other people to see that? The purpose is so that when others see the way God has delivered us, the way He has led us, His name will be glorified. God wants other people to see His deliverance in our lives when we are placed in trying situations. So friends, we have to remember that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are, are not our thoughts because His ways and His thoughts are higher than ours. So whenever we, we find ourselves facing a trying and impossible situation in life, we must keep in mind that God has a better purpose. He has a better plan. We have to trust God. Well, let's continue. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 4 through 9. Exodus chapter 14, verses 4 through 9. This is what the Bible says. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his ser servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot, and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with an, with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them by camping by the sea, beside Pehehiroth, before Baal-Siphon. Now in verse 5, the question was asked, Why have we done this? That was the question that was asked. Now this is a strange question for the Egyptians to ask. Why? Because God gave them reasons why they should let the Israelites go. And those reasons were the ten plagues. 
God gave them at least 10 reasons why they should let his people go. But you know, this goes to show what we become under the control of Satan. You see, the devil and his people will never give up in their effort of opposing God and his people. And we need to understand this very important point. As we come closer to Christ in our relationship with him, we will become main targets of the enemy. You know, we have to understand that we are in a great controversy between Christ and Satan. And, and as we choose the side of Christ, then guess who is go going to attack us? That's right, the devil. We will become main targets of the devil. So what does Pharaoh do? He takes, what does he do? He takes 600 chariots with him. He brings with him the most advanced military weapons to go after the Israelites. And you know, friends, this is a parallel uh, to what will happen in the end times. You know, there will come a time in the end when people under the control of Satan will come after God's people with all the advanced military weapons. God's people will go through this Red Sea experience once again. And so, you see, we have to understand that everything we go through in our lives right now, every single trial that we face is a preparation for that time. You see, God needs to bring us through a Red Sea experience in our lives. And more often than not, He, he, has, to do, he has to do it multiple times so that we can be prepared for the final conflict. God wants to make us ready for that final conflict with the forces of evil. And this is what happened to the Israelites. God brought them through this Red Sea experience. And we too, friends, must go through this experience. Let's continue. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. This is what the Bible says. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us, to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, I want you to notice the reaction of the Israelites as they were going through this experience. Number one, they were so afraid. They were so afraid and they were so fearful. Secondly, they accused Moses, but really they were accusing God because this was God's plan to bring them out of Egypt. They accused Moses for taking them into the wilderness to die. And thirdly, they preferred slavery in Egypt compared to this current situation that they were in. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we have the same reaction when we are going through trying circumstances in life? What is our response to the trials that God allows us to be in? 
what is our reaction when God puts us in trying circumstances? Do we find ourselves like the Israelites? Do we find ourselves blaming God? Do we find ourselves being fear, fearful and, and wanting our own life again? What is our reaction to the trials in this life? But let's continue. And as we continue, I want to ask this question. You know, did the Israelites really have reason to despair? Did they have a valid reason to be fearful and to, and to blame God and to, and to react this way? No. Let me show you. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. Exodus 13, 21 and 22, the Bible says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You see, the Israelites, they had no reason to despair because God had led them in the past. In other words, they had evidence of His leading and providence in past circumstances, and those experiences should have helped them to trust in God to deliver them in this present circumstance. However, instead of trusting God, they began to despair. You see, God was teaching the Israelites here to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, before the Israelites, they could see the pillar of cloud. They could see the pillar of fire. And it was easy for them to trust God because they could see those things. It was visible. But as they were standing by the shore of the Red Sea, they could not physically see how God would deliver them. They could not see how God would lead them. And their faith was shaken. You know, the question we have to ask ourselves is, can we trust God when things seem hopeless and helpless? When things seem um, un, um, impossible? When all is doom and gloom and we cannot see the way in which God will deliver us? Can we trust Him still? Can we put our full faith in Him? You see, God wants us today to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to have unwavering faith during the most difficult circumstances in life. He wants to bring us into an experience of having complete and full trust in Him. God wants us to fully trust Him. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. So, going back to the reaction of the Israelites. You know, here we see the easy steps to discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. You know, they had fear, and fear led to blaming God. And after they blamed God, it led to, the, to their desire for their old life of sin. These were the steps to the discouragement, to their despair, and to their hopelessness. Now, I want to talk about fear for a bit. You know, what does the Bible tell us about fear? Let's go to the book of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, okay, the Bible says, 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You see, the Israelites, they did not have perfect love towards God, and therefore they were fearful. They did not love God fully. They did not experience the love of God, and because of that, they feared. Instead of trusting God, they feared because they did not have perfect love. So they feared. Now let's talk about blame. Where is the first time we see the blaming game happening in the Bible? You know, this all began in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve fell into sin. And what happened was Adam blamed God for Eve. And Eve blamed God for the serpent. This happened after the fall of sin. And it's also interesting to note that Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. Satan likes to blame others. So when we think about blame, it's, it's really because of sin. The Israelites had sin in their lives, they cherished sin, cherished sin in their hearts, and therefore they were blaming God and Moses. But let's also talk about their desire for their old life of sin. Now, what is the main purpose of Satan's attack? It's to make us desire our old life again. It's to make us go back to our past sins, our past addictions. He wants to make us fall back to the way we used to be. Now, what does the Bible tell us about our old life? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, the Bible promises us that we become new creatures in Christ. We have new lives, and therefore we do not have to go back to our old life of sin because we are made new. All the old things have passed away. Christ has given us a new life. And so we don't have to go back to our old life of sin, friends. But here we see the Israelites, they were wanting to go back to their old life of sin. You see, when we experience the Red Seas in our lives, are we fearful instead of trusting God? Do we find ourselves blaming God for the situation we are in? Do we desire our old life of, of sin and ease and comfort? You know, many times when we are going through trying circumstances, the first thing we do is to blame God. We question God because we are unhappy for, for the trials that we are facing. You know, we, we find ourselves being angry at, at God instead of trusting and submitting to Him. And then, you know, we find ourselves falling back to our old life of sin, right? We, we go to the things of the world to give us comfort. But friends, how can we overcome this today? How can we go through trials and yet have a closer relationship with God? How can we go through trying circumstances in life and come out victorious. Now, I want to share with you some lessons today.
But first, I want you to notice the response of Moses. Notice what Moses tells the Israelites, and we will learn the lessons from there. So let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 15. This is what the Bible says. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more, forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Now the first thing we want to look at is that phrase there, Fear ye not. This was the first thing that Moses told the Israelites to do. Fear ye not. Okay, this was the first thing. Number one, fear ye not. So the first step is to fear ye not. In other words, do not be afraid. Now, how can we practically do that? I want to share with you a quote uh, from Ellen White. It can be found in Councils for the Church, page 359, paragraph 4. This is what she says. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. So notice that Ellen White tells us that we have nothing to fear for the future, except as we forget how the Lord has led us in the past. So the way for us to not fear is we need to reflect on our past lives and we need to see how God has led us in the past. We need to allow His leading in the past to give us confidence to move forward in the future. You know, many times when we are faced with trials, just like the Israelites, we forget how God has delivered us in the past. We are so quick to forget His deliverance for the past times. You see, no matter how trying our, our situation may be, we must never lose faith in God. If God has led us in the past, surely He shall lead us again in this present time and in the future. You know, as you look back in the past, as you look back to the past, friends, can you see God's leading in your life? Can you see His providence? Can you see His grace and mercy in your life? Can you truly say that your Redeemer has been faithful and true? If so, then have the confidence that God will not leave you now. Have the confidence that God is still with you. You know, if God has led you in the past, if He has delivered you in the past, He will do the same for you again. And you have to believe that. So that's step number one. Fear ye not. Recount your past experiences. Allow your past experiences with God to give you confidence to trust Him in present circumstances. Now let's go to number two. Number two is stand still. Okay, stand still. Whenever we are faced with impossible situations and whenever we are going through trials and tribulations, the Bible tells us to stand still. 
don't try to do anything. You know, our human tendency is to do something about it immediately. Many times we want to fight back, we want to fix the problem, or many times we find ourselves running away from the problem. But God is telling us to stand still. You know, there are times that there is nothing we can do to make the situation better. And, and worrying and stressing about it is not going to make it better. You know, instead of being wor worried or anxious, we need to surrender to God and be still. Now, what does the Bible tell us about standing? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. This is what the Bible says. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, put on the armor of God. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to stand on the truth, and the truth, friends, is the Word of God. In other words, we need to have a devotional life. We need to spend time with God in His Word. Without it, we cannot stand still and we cannot trust God. And if we do not read about God in His Word, if we do not spend time with Him in His Word, we will not know Him and therefore we cannot trust Him. Notice what the Bible says in Psalms 46 verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. And friends, the way we know God is by spending time with Him. It's by spending time in His Word. As we develop that relationship with Him, as we come to know Him better, we will be still when we are facing trying circumstances because we know He is God. So that's number two, friends. We are called to stand still. Stand still on the Word of God. Be still and know that He is God. Now, number three. Number three is see the salvation of the Lord. Now, another word for see is the word watch. Okay. Now, what does the Bible say about watching? Let's go to Luke chapter 21, verse 36. This is what the Bible says. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, we need to study God's Word. Uh, that's how we stand still. But we also need to watch and pray. We cannot have the, uh, we cannot do studying the Bible without praying, and we cannot do praying without studying the Bible. We need both the Word of God and also praying. And many times when we are facing trials, you know, prayer is the last thing we do. When really prayer is the first thing 
we should do, right? Many times we find ourselves trying to fix the problem, trying to do other things except pray. But we need to learn to pray. Prayer should be the first resort. And we need to learn to have a prayerful life. And this is also part of having a devotional life. Friends, it really comes down to this. You know, if we really want to go through trials and circumstances and, and be faithful to God and to be closer to Him, it begins with our devotional lives. It begins with studying His Word and praying. So that's number three. We need to watch and we need to pray. Now, let's go to number four. Number four is the Lord shall fight for you. So we must expect that God will fight for us. This is the opportunity to exercise faith. But faith in what? Faith in the Word of God. We need to have an experience of trusting God and claiming His promises in the Bible. As we read His Word and we see the promises, we have to learn to claim those promises. We have to expect that God will fulfill His promises because He has promised, because He has said so, and God cannot lie. So when we read those promises, friends, we need to claim it and expect that God will work for us. This is what having faith really means. It's when we expect that God will fulfill His promises in His Word. So that's number four. We need to expect that God will fight for us. We need to learn to claim His promises and to have faith that God will perform those, He would fulfill those promises. Okay? Now, number five. Number five, it says, And ye shall hold your peace. Now this is very important, friends. We need to keep peace. In other words, we have to learn to be calm. You know, worrying or stressing out will not change the situation. It will not make it better. You know, and I'm the type of person that likes to worry. I think a lot, I overthink, I, I always stress out and I'm so anxious and I'm so worried all the time. But I have to constantly tell myself that it doesn't make the situation better Instead, it makes it worse because I rob myself of peace. But when we are going through trying circumstances, friends, we need to learn to have peace. But this is not a peace that we of our own can have. It's not a peace that comes from us. This is a peace that comes from God. It's a peace that only God can give. Now notice what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, friends, as we pray and as we surrender everything to God, we will experience peace. He will give us a peace that passes all understanding. He will give us a peace that even the world cannot give. And we will have the peace in our hearts, knowing that God is in control, that God knows the outcome, 
and God will make all things work for good. So that's number five, friends. We need to hold our peace. We need to just, we need to learn to surrender to God and be at peace. Surrender to God and ask God to fill, fill us with His peace. So that's number five. And number six, lastly. Number six is go forward. Now when God commands, we must be ready to go forward. You see, if the children of Israel had not put their foot into the sea, it would not have parted. The children of Israel had to go to the sea. They had to put their foot in for the Red Sea to part. They had to demonstrate their faith by their actions. And here we see a combination of faith and works. You know, it's important for us to have unwavering faith in God, but we also must demonstrate our faith by our actions, by our works. We need to act when God has shown us the path. But remember, it's only when God tells us to go forward. So as we, as we recap the lessons, what is our role? Our role, number one, is to stand still. We need to seek the Word of God and know Him. We need to daily spend time in the Word of God and know God so that our faith will not be shaken in times of trouble. That's the first one. Secondly, we need to see and watch. And what does that mean? We need to pray always. You know, Ellen White says that prayer is the breath of life. And without prayer, we are spiritually dead. We need to pray. We need to watch and pray. And lastly, we need to go forward. Go forward when God tells us to. Be ready to follow the, follow the path that God has set for us. But remember, we are only to go forward when God has told us to do so. If He has not shown us the path, we are to wait. We are to have faith. We are to just stand still and trust in Him. Now, I want to share with you a quote from Ellen White that can be found in Testimonies of the Church, Volume 4, page 538. This is what she says. Prayer and effort, effort and prayer, will be the business of your life. You must pray as though the efficiency and praise were all due to God and labor as though duty were all your own. So you see, friends, Ellen White says that we have a duty and that duty is to pray and also labor. It's not good enough just to pray and not do anything about it. It, it's not good to do something without praying. We need to have both. We need to pray. We need to have faith. We need to surrender to God. But we must be ready and willing to act when God has shown us the path. There is a duty for us to play. We trust God. We have faith in Him. But we demonstrate our faith by our actions. We need to pray. And we, we need to labor according to God's direction. So friends, th those are the lessons that we learn. That is the response that Moses gave the Israelites as they were going through this trying circumstance. 
as they were about to cross the Red Sea. And these are the lessons that we need to apply in our lives as we are also going through the Red Seas in our lives. But let's go to the end of this chapter and let's notice what happens there. So let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 30 to 31. This is what the Bible says. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Eventually, God saved the Israelites from the Egyptians and he helped them cross the Red Sea. And because of this Red Sea experience, the Israelites feared and trusted God even more. And friends, today God wants to do the same thing for us. You know, as we come closer to the end of time, as we come closer to the second coming of Jesus, things will only get worse. Sadly, we will face greater challenges and trials. But God allows us to go through this experience so that it will strengthen our faith in Him. And maybe some of you are even going through those experiences right now. And maybe you cannot see God's deliverance in your life yet. I want to encourage you not to lose hope, but I want to encourage you to trust in the one that is faithful, the one that will deliver you, because he will deliver you. So friends, do not lose hope, but trust in God. He is with you and he will deliver you. So let's do a recap Let's review the lessons that we have learned this morning or this afternoon. Number one, God likes to bring his people into impossible situations. Why? So that he can mold us. So that he can help us to increase in faith. And through our experiences, his name will be glorified. God likes to bring us into impossible situations so that He can refine us and purify us so that His name can be glorified. That's number one. Number two, when we face impossible situations, God doesn't expect us to have fear. He doesn't expect us to blame Him or the people around us. And He definitely does not expect us to run back to our own life. God does not want us to react the same way the Israelites did. He doesn't want us to go away from Him or to be far further away from Him. Instead, He wants us to come closer to Him. That's number two. And number three, instead, God wants us to fear not. He wants us to stand still in the truth. He wants us to see or watch, which means to pray for the salvation of the Lord. And then He wants us to expect that He will fight for us. And He wants us to hold our peace. He wants us to be calm. And He wants us to go forward as He commands us to do so. So friends, the title of the sermon this morning is God's Way. It's not our way. It's God's way. You know, many times in our lives, 
we have a certain plan. We have our ways. And, you know, when things don't go our way, what happens? How do we react? What do we find ourselves doing? Do we trust in God? Do we surrender to Him? What is our response? You know, though we do not know what lies before us, though we may not know what the future holds, will we trust in God to lead us? Will we look at the promises found in His Word and claim it in prayer? Will you allow God to perform the impossible for you as you journey to the closing scenes of this earth's history? Will you make that decision? Maybe some of you are having impossible situations that you are facing today, even right now. Maybe some of you are experiencing a Red Sea that God has brought to you. I want to tell you that you can take comfort in the fact, in the promise that He will deliver you. And what are the steps? Once again, fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. Ye shall hold your peace and go forward. Friends, if we follow these steps, our life will be at peace with any situation. As we go forward, as we journey through this earth, as we come closer to the end of time, let us allow God to truly lead us. And no matter what we face next, let us look back at how God has led us in the past and let us have a greater assurance that He will not leave us nor forsake us. No matter how trying the situation may be, let us take comfort in the fact that God is with us and He will lead us till we reach heaven. Friends, I hope that that is your decision today. I hope that no matter what you go through in life, that you will be willing to hold on to Him, that you will be willing to trust Him, that you will be willing to follow Him to the ends of the earth. Because friends, He is with you, and soon He will come, and soon He will take us home. Will you trust in Him, friends? Will you make that decision today? Let me pray for you as we close. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this message. Thank you so much for this time that we can hear your voice speaking to us. And Lord Jesus, we want you to come soon. As we see the things happening in this world, we know that you're coming soon. And we know that things are only going to get worse before you come. But help us not to lose hope. Help us not to be discouraged. Help us not to lose our faith in you. But help us, Lord, to trust in you. Help us to hold on to you. Help us to know that you are with us. And I pray that you would continue to lead us, Lord, until you come again to take us home. I pray for every person that has listened to this message or that will listen to this message, that you would comfort them, that you would speak to their hearts. And I pray that they would make the decision to follow you and to be faithful to you. Thank you, Lord, so much for hearing and for answering our prayers. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.